Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the SAFCast and Antrim GAA podcast. I'm Connor Donnelly and today I'm joined by Chris Kerr, St Gaul's goalkeeper and former Antrim keeper for over 10 years. Chris has won a number of county titles during his time with his club. He made over 100 appearances for his county. During this podcast we chat about his St Gaul's career, how he started out, how he progressed then on to with Antrim and what the future holds for himself. We also cover his work in the area of raising mental health awareness, particularly with young men in sport, his own struggles in recent years, and how we can help in this area of society as well. It was a really enjoyable conversation that probably could have went on for even longer if we had the time, so I hope you enjoy the conversation, and if so, please leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. We really appreciate it. So anyway, here is my conversation with Chris Kerr of St Gauls. So I'm delighted to be joined by St Gaul's goalkeeper and former Antrim number one, Chris Kerr. So Chris, thanks very much for joining me today. Yes, no problem, Connor. Thanks for having me. No, that's great. And look, how are things with you anyway? I know obviously you had a, a bad setback with the injury there in August. How, how are things going? Okay, it's just I've got the op done, um, you know, near th- near three weeks ago now. So, um, uh, you know, I've been there before, so I know what I have to do. Um, to get back at it, so I'm just um, it's a bit slower this time. Just with um, done a slightly probably done more this time in the operation, like, but uh, it's I think ultimately it's a more secure knee, so it's just a matter of just um, taking each session off as it goes, like, and slowly but surely it's just um, it's getting better each day, so it's a big plus. That's all yeah. I can do at the minute. <laughs> that's yeah, well, that's true. No, that's well, that's a good thing anyway. And what's the sort of timeline for looking like for yourself i know i mean I, there's probably no point in terms of relating it to a season because we probably don't know when we'll be playing properly <laughs> again but month month wise anyway what, what's it looking for like you? you're probably looking just like you know the very minimum you're, you're talking nine months for it like right, so okay. i've already marked it out it's 15th of june like not that i've been looking ahead like but uh probably <laughs> yeah. you, you probably the longer you can leave it the better like so um like it's a tough one it's just it's just one of those things like you wouldn't you wouldn't wish it in any um wouldn't wish it in anyone and it's probably the worst thing to get as a as a sports person just because uh you know it's basically a season that you're you're out for like so uh that's a disappointing thing but uh what can you do like just taking the chin and sort of just have to just get on with with the rehab and then I'll, i'll see where it takes me yeah, and I suppose just like on on I suppose we look at this year of all years, which is a strange enough season. Um, but looking at the makeup of the year that was there with the with the club and that, just how important was it? Do you think it was that we, you know, okay, we're probably a bit biased as players ourselves, but you know, to get out there and play games again, especially at club level, like how important do you feel that was for the overall, I suppose people's for people's um, well being and that in general, you know, for something like that, that bit of routine back. Um, I mean, I was probably signed off from the first stop. You know, it was probably good to return to play probably in the April, start of May. So if anything, lockdown sort of gave me an extra couple of months. But um, I think most clubs, you know, including I think we had something like 57 players first night back at training. So there was that appetite there to get back out. I think people were fed up just sitting about the house and, um, you know, they were buzzing to get back. What restrictions you 
you know, were in place, you know, not being able to go into change rooms and stuff. But um, I think people are just glad to have it back in some way, shape, or form. I think, I think the older you get, the, well, probably myself, like, but uh, the grumpier you get. But I think <laughs> at times you go like, you know, it, it can do your head in, or it can downsides to it. But I think it's it's one of those things that when you don't have it, you you realize how much you miss it and how much you love it and how much um you you know you enjoy it more importantly. Like so. Um, you know, it was. I, I think it's been great. I think it's been great the way it was run off, and um, yeah, it makes it interesting. There's no gaps in um, in between games, and it's just you know, if you can get your best team on the pitch, then then that's that's going to be the winner. Yeah, you probably saw that across the country where you had fellas who were, you know, 40 plus winning their first county titles, you know, for, with their clubs and all, which was, you know, obviously the format kind of lent itself to that this year, which was great to see there. Um, with the format that was run off in Antrim, so um, the groups were introduced for the first time at senior level. If I'm right, that's the first time that they've done it anyway. Um, what did you think of that? You mentioned about the gaps, so obviously breaking off for inter-county duty and that wasn't there. Like, like, was it something you were in favour of, that kind of format? I think most people are. I mean, ultimately, you know, even even having played for football for you know the guts of ten, eleven seasons, um, I think just ultimately we're club players first. So you know, everyone enjoys playing for their club. Um, I think just <laughs> the likes of St Gauls and you know even St John's, Rossa, even it was seen there in Antrim, especially you know the dual clubs. Um, got a tight, you know, just with the schedule. I think yeah. goals maybe, and, you know, obviously it was highlighted with Rossa as well, and even, even St. John's. Maybe we're talking eight, nine games uh, for duels in August, which is which is crazy too, but yeah. um, it maybe could have been, you know, spread out a wee bit further to give give that chance for the duels. But uh, I think just where we were in March and sort of April and May and how sort of, you know, it, it didn't look great that we were going to have a season that we end up getting a season. I think people are just glad in the in the long run, even if um, even if a couple of it, even if some of us got a, a see another season and end an injury. Like, but uh, right. what can you do? Like, you know, I I uh, I got back and was probably probably played was playing as as well as it ever played. Um, you know, just with the break doing the extra extra rehab and stuff, and it was just uh, unfortunate uh, accidents, a slip of training. Uh, and it re-ruptured so um, but other than that I, I thought you know in terms of the groups I suppose you, you always had that safety blanket you know ourselves even we lost to St Endes it had that feel to it you know and not taking away, away from St Endes but um, you know it was always that safety net that you had another game you know you had a game after that to put things right and um, thankfully, well, the boys put it right the, the second day around. Um, once once they knew something was once something's on the line, then and I think most teams become a different beast. Like and and Singles are certainly a different beast when it comes to knockout football. Like. Yeah, and I think that's something you probably saw across the board. Um, and yeah, they do. I suppose in a normal year, like even that that format that they run off with the football in hurling, but in a normal year, obviously be able to start a bit earlier, you know, because it was the end of July the championships kicked off. So it's probably something that could work with the dual clubs in you know in a normal year whenever we get that kind of year back again, I suppose. But um, were you, were you one of these players? I've seen a few now saying that they kind of like the simplicity of uh, you know, not not having changing rooms, not having loads of meetings, not having loads. Of of you know pre-match meetings and all this here debriefs and all that were you one of the players that were kind of in favor of the kind of simplicity around this year i suppose I good weather good weather helped <laughs> definitely well even i think uh, like 
definitely the big one is the meetings. Like, I mean, I don't think there's any player that enjoys <laughs> listening to meetings. Like, but um, I suppose probably the one thing is probably that you know the, the crack you have probably in the changing room is probably where you know most teams bond. You know, slagging each other, or whatever it is, and you know just having the crack in general. But um, I suppose that was probably the only downfall I would have would have seen. But what can you do? Like, if it, it took away meetings, and you know, even if the weather was bad, like you know, you just want to players just want to play the game. You know, it's just like Sean McGorry. For no it's um, you know, it's a simple game made difficult by players and managers. Like, so just sometimes it's just just let us play. Like, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was good in a way, and the weather was good, so it all worked out well. Yeah, I don't think if we were entering the club season now with no change rooms, I don't think it would have. No, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't fancy doing nets uh, <laughs> during during the national league or, or even championship in October or November. Yeah, the wet gear would have been out, no change rooms. Oh, that would have been horrendous. Shocking. <laughs> um, so just even just you mentioned obviously St. Gauls there, and obviously your club, you know, very successful over the years, and just. If you look back on your journey with them, like you know, when you like when you first got involved, were you always a goalkeeper? Did you any run out outfield at all, or, or you know, like was it something you were just always sort of destined to from an early age with the club? I think um, well, from from no age, it was obviously um, so you can't see it on on the podcast, like, but um, quite a big child, like so. Um, I think well, I'm six four now, like, but um, from no age, it was always really tall, so. I think initially everyone wants to play out the pitch. Everyone wants to think they're a forward of some way, shape, or form. Like, um, I think after a while, I just was getting put in goals, and and I used to go home, I used to go home crying to my mum and dad, saying they were putting me in goals because it was rubbish. Um, they said at the time that they didn't like, but I would say no, nah, they probably, they probably, they probably strongly agree with that. But uh, um, no, I was playing. Probably I was doing a bit of everything. I was playing, then I started. Um, probably from about under, I'd say properly from about under 10, you know, went goals, you know, the odd wee step here and there at the pitch. And then mostly I uh, was playing soccer too, obviously, the you know, foreign sport. So I was doing goals in soccer in Gaelic. And then I was actually playing outs in hurling. Um, right. And just the thought of running after people just didn't, I just <laughs> wasn't a fan. So. I actually got more satisfaction out of um, slanting the nets and just roaring and shouting, so uh, I'm not having to chase anyone. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I just sort of, from, from, I always kept my energy, like, so it was always, uh, wouldn't fancy running after some of the some of the players now, like, um, or in general, like, um, so yeah, just played, or done goals the whole way up, and then, you know, had to just take, or wait, wait, my, you know, wait for my chance with some goals, just, Obviously, you touched on it just with the success. Um, you know, from you know early two thousand, started training with Singal seniors as like a minor under twenty one, and stage. You know, Paddy Murray, the current manager, was the Antrim goalkeeper. Um, then we had Ronan Gallagher who came was a Fermanagh goalkeeper, and Ronan was nominated for two All Stars. Then with other you know goalkeepers and Kieran O'Connor, another really good goalkeeper in the club. Um. And then I was probably the youngest out of them all, so um, I think it was just waiting, waiting my chance. I played for Antrim um, right up um, to under twenty-one, and then most most um, most county under twenty-one goalkeepers are probably going to be their senior goalkeepers, but um, wasn't a be straight away. And 
um, probably made my senior debut, I think, at maybe 23, which most people are probably making it in around that age, you know, like the CJ and Sean Burke and stuff, who would be my, my close friends. Um, had some goals in their debut at 17, 18, um, at senior level, so I just had to wait my time, but, you know, in, in a way, it probably picked up a lot of things from the boys over there as well, you know, all very different goalkeepers and, um, you know, picked up tips off them, stuff that they were really good at um, and, you know, stuff that um, they, they made me better because um, I knew I always had to, to work really hard to stay, to, to get better and to get into the team and, you know, it, it, it paid off. Yeah, and was that like I was going to actually ask that about uh, the likes of Paddy and Ronan and that? Were they, were they always like, did would you have done sessions yourselves kind of away from the group? Like, would they have always been kind of passing Like, what sort of age would they have been when you were coming into the team then? Um, so I was probably, um, and then like just with their age, but <laughs> I was probably, <laughs> I, I would say Paddy was probably, I don't know what age Paddy is now, he was probably 10 years older than me. Um, right, okay. them two were probably the same so they were probably 10 years older than me um uh Karen o'connor a couple of years older than me um so yeah it was just just even as simple as watching them and, and listening to them when they were playing or in game-based scenarios or or going to games and watching them play or you know watching from the sideline um and then seeing them in training it was just picking those wee things up um off them you know potty Probably had that presence, you know, um, big physical man, um, you know, really sort of, I wouldn't say intimidating, but, you know, people would have known he was about when they were in the round of goal. And then Ronan was probably, you know, one of the first goalkeepers where you would have seen really emphasizing on the short kickouts um, well before it sort of became <laughs> a popular thing to do. Um, I always felt that I could kick longer. I could always kick distance no problem and um, but off running was how accurate he was from uh short short kickouts um you know precision as opposed to just trying to take a leather off the ball um and then just just vocals too and not just common I, I was very probably still am like a lot would still agree but it's definitely um mellowed in the old age like, but uh <laughs> was probably uh the politest way to put it is probably it was very hyper in the goals where it would have been commentating on what corner forwards were doing up the, our corner forwards and i think it's just you learn just to, from them it's like just communicating with the people in front of you and not even just the goalkeepers I was very lucky to play with really like great players you know the likes of sean kelly colin brady andy mclean and in, in the back lane alone so they were all really um good good to have around as well like obviously just not even just talent ways but obviously their voices too and was it something like that sustained period of success that St. Gaul's had with the success of titles, especially throughout, you know, the 2000s and that was like, was there anything there that you kind of, you know, like, was there something you would put it down to during that period? Like, how did how did a club, you know, like St. Gaul's have the hunger to come back and be almost relentless during that period? Um you know, where no team could really compete with them. Like, is it was it that kind of competition that was it was that kind of in-house competition that was going on for places that would do that, or was it a special group of players? Do you feel? It, it was probably a combination of a few things there. I don't know if you touched on. Um, I think for years, and it's something that it's something that probably annoys me more than it should. Was probably you would have got the comments from people outside of the club, and 
you know, anyone could manage that St. Gaul's team and it was this, that and the other. And um, yes, there was obviously you need talent to win championships like, but um, you know, the the work and the effort and the training that we put in was, you know, was something else. Um it was just a, a culture it was just like you hear the word culture thrown about and it was it, it was just a culture that was never it was never really spoke about. It was just done, you know. When I first came into training, there would have been like the likes of Mark McCrory, who's a was an Antrim and Antrim player. He's a he's a doctor as well. Came across and Gary McGurr, Shawnee Burns, you know, not only really talented players but really good people, and uh, more importantly, Ronan, people like that that I mentioned already, and obviously that just carried on, you know, with obviously the boys that end up winning 13 titles, you know, Sean Kelly, I think there's five of them, Sean Kelly, Terry, O'Neill, Colin Brady, uh, Kieran McGordy, Kevin McGordy. Um, you know, I think just looking up to these boys, you know, even just when you're coming in, you're going, right, this is just the standard. This is just the way it is. And, um, you know, the in-house games, and it's no disrespect to anyone that we played at the time, but some of the in-house games were as, you know, competitive as the games we went to play, especially, you know, league games where we were probably, you know, blowing teams away at a stage. And um, I think just during that sta- stage of where we were dominant, you know, it was just pure football, you know, out-and-out football. Um, no real sweeper systems. There was no real defensive football. And we just were very lucky to have talented players that were really hard working at the same time. And when you marry both together, then you're only going to get one winner. Yeah, and uh, I suppose out of the titles that have been won over the years, um, and I was reading, just doing a bit of research ahead of this, and I was seeing a game you'd done in, a, I think it was an interview with Antrim, the county uh, website, and that you had mentioned the, the 2013 finals being a particular favourite of yours. 12, 13, 12 point, 11 point victory over Cargan and Cargan. a penalty save from yourself. <laughs> I will, like, it was probably, like, it was just that, that probably year in general. I mean, obviously, you know, we won an All-Ireland club title and we sort of put ourselves on a pedestal. Um, I think we just, each year, you know, we went back again, the target grew bigger and bigger. Um, and, you know, there were so many hunters chasing the, the you know, chasing us um you know cargan as you mentioned um you know i know they've won three titles in a row the last couple of years but the the cargan teams that we played in 2000 and you know especially between 2009 and 2014 um were really good teams like um really you know pushed us to the you know pushed us to our limits as well and you know, made us better. Um, and people always talk about a rivalry, but it was a it was a respectful rivalry. Rivalry, sorry. You know, when we went to play with Antrim with them, um, it was probably the boys we get on with the best as well. And I think it was just that mutual respect. Um, that there was never any shenanigans. There was never any. Um, it was just out and out football, and it was just it was a shootout, and whoever won, whoever was the best won. And you know, fortunately for a long time, it was ourselves and. You can see them now. They're um, to be fair to them. Um, they were resilient to, to hang in there. Um, a lot of teams probably would have threw the towel in sooner, and um, they've hung in there. And they've, you know, they've won the last couple of titles as well. Um, but I think just I will. I suppose the whole talk was, you know, St John's have the most football titles, and you know, the talk is that they had the seven in a row in um, 
in the seventies and that year, twenty thirteen, you know, we were going for a seventh in a row title. Um, I think just the year as well of the game was the same year that my, my dad had passed away. It was the same year in the club that um, you know, really, really good people in the club had passed away as well. You know, even you know, Alfie Hannaway Senior would have been um, a man who would have coached most of us in that team or that squad. Uh, I think it was just emotionally charged, and then obviously, um, you know, it was nice to save the penalty. And at the end of the day, you know, it was uh, you know getting it was uh, it was it was nice getting clawed at some whatever like. But um, I probably would have been annoyed at myself if I hadn't saved the two. So um, I suppose that's I suppose that's something that. We just always, you know, you knew your job, and my job was to find a man with kickouts and keep the ball out of the net. And you know, thankfully at that time, I, I you know, I done my job and saved it, and the boys up the other end were able to get the scores. Yeah, uh, I suppose it was one of those classics where you're saying about uh, St John's having the seven row, where it's um, leading into the game. You know, we're not even thinking about it or talking about it, but really in the back of your mind, it is something you you want to. And it's the same with the All Ireland success the club has had. You want to be at the top, so why wouldn't you achieve try to aim to achieve those types of targets for yeah, those reasons? Yeah, I think definitely. I don't even, as you say, I don't even think it was really. It wasn't really talked about by ourselves. It was just sort of you know, if there was something there to aim at, then. You know, it was motivation for us each year. How do we go back, right? We've won seven in a row. How can we go one better? You know, we've done eight in a row. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those things. And, you know, the, we're, we're relentless. You know, every single thing where um, there's that core group of the players. You know, I mentioned sort of older players there as well that they get called the golden oldies. But, you know, the Kevin Niblocks, Aidan Gallagher's, you know, CJ, Sean Burke, Mickey Pollock. You know, Carl Stewart, you name these boys out. I think at a stage, every one of our starting 15 had either played for Antrim or was playing for Antrim. So um, it was just, yeah, boys were just relentless, obsessed with the game. You know, everyday athletes wanted to do better, wanted to keep going. And um, unfortunately, we used up all our luck in 15 years and we haven't won one now in, in six years. So, um yeah, it was a shock to the system too. <laughs> I think I think um, the fact that CJ's been referred to as a golden oldie is pretty shocking for me because I think I'm the same age as him. So uh, yeah. that's, a, that's I just, know. maybe maybe it's because he's been on the scene for so long for you. Maybe that's... It, well, the only thing is, when you play on a team room from you were five, you know you you you, you grow old very quickly. Honestly, <laughs> um, I've got a few more grey hairs. Um, playing with it's bad enough playing with one of them. Never mind the three of them in the one team at a stage was. Uh, wouldn't do great for the the early years as well, like. But uh, no, listen. As as much as like, you know, all the you talk about the talent and stuff, like even the likes of CJ, um, you know, smart and hours of, of practice too, like. So it's not just I uh, like, it's hit, uh, you know, you turn up and you see him kick one eight or one, you know, you just know when he has the ball in his hands. It's been, like I've seen him do this a million times, you know, at training. So he's able to do it on the big days, and that's. Again, that goes back to everyone knew what their job was. Everyone knew what they were good at, and um, we played. We all played individually to our strengths, and obviously that just that when it, everyone done that, then we were um, formidable team at a stage. 
And, and yeah, and I suppose you mentioned about the motivation behind things. So you know, coming back each year after success, you know, you'd have to find that new motivation, whether it was going for a milestone, uh, um, success of titles or something like that. There, I suppose now at the minute presents a different uh, motivation there. So six years, you said, was without a title now for yeah. some goals, which is fairly unthinkable. Like really, um, is it? This is a new type of challenge now with Cargan obviously having their success for three years there. And you were obviously very unlucky this year with the penalty shootout um, against Portland Own, which could have gone either way there. Even normal time, it could have gone either way, really. This is a new type of challenge now. And I suppose it's something you are just going to have to face uh, coming into 2021. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's probably at the time you're like one of the biggest, one of the biggest motiv- motivators for us after a while and I think if you asked any any of them individually it was it's probably the fear of losing. You know, when you you don't want to run that that long, I think between two thousand and twenty fourteen we won we lost one championship game. Which is when you when you think back and you actually say it out loud, it was it was crazy stuff what we were actually doing. So yeah. um I think like close to maybe seventy, eighty games. Um you know, and some of them like I think I think one of the stats I thought, not that I thought of at the time, I think before 2016, um, any championship game that Aidan Gallagher had started, we had won, which is which is mad. Like, I think yeah. about the games Aidan has played for, for some goals too. Like, but as you say, it's a different a different challenge. I think, you know, the game has changed massively since, you know, probably 2011 onwards, you know, Jim McGuinness and that coming in. Um, I think conditioning, strength and conditioning has really, um, you know, stepped up. And I think a lot of clubs really bought into that when maybe, you know, ourselves, I don't think we ever done it on purpose. I think it was based just on probably, you know, facilities and, our, you know, we, didn't, we don't have a gym with some goals. And, you know, the other, other clubs in Antrim were able to buy into that, be able to get strength and conditioning coaches in. And you can see that now paying dividends, um, you know, the McCann's, um, opened their their gyms in 2013, and it's it's no fluke now that they've you know they've won four or five of the last seven titles. So um, there's a big uh, difference. It plays a big, obviously, you know, a big part of the game. Um, you know, you look at you know, I, I was doing the commentary in a lot of the games this year, and I always felt that the team as players on the pitch. Um, would win the championship. I think that was well ago with the, with the county season, um, and that that comes down to good conditioning also. And throughout the championship, you could see teams losing. You know their their best players were dropping like flies. Um, you know St Gall's best player got injured twice in two years. So um, <laughs> what are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> would, would you look at the likes of Park and Craigan, Like you know that they had their best players on the pitch the whole season, um, and you could see that come the final. So. Um, yeah, it's a different, different sort of proposition for ourselves. As I said earlier, you know, for years, you know, the target was just getting bigger and bigger on our backs, and um, it was probably going to be only a matter of time before somebody took a scalp. And um, you know, it's the same. The same goes for Cardinal. Each year you win. Each year you have to come back sort of better or reinvent yourself. And you know, for them as well, the target's going to grow bigger. Um, it was great to see. Obviously, I'd get injured in mid-August, and you know the whole talk and some goals were were finished in that. And you know, watching the game, especially against St. Dennis, and then um, 
you know, against St. Endes, they were they were incredible. Um, especially the boys that are have been talked about for for a long time, um, that should have been retired by so many people uh, years ago. Um, we're rolling back the years. Um, and they were they were brilliant. And then even against Portland Ona, also, they were dead and buried. They were, you know, uh, to be, you know, the. Well, it's a playlist way of putting it. You know, they they were everything was against them on the night, and they were, um, you know, they still they still hung in there, and they were they were battling away right the penalties. And who knows if a certain foghorn mouthpiece had been in nets for a penalty or two? You know, you don't know what would have happened. But uh, it was hard to watch, like. But um, yeah, boys still still love it, and um, yeah, we'll see see what see what happens in the, the coming season. Yeah, and this was another. Just you brought it up there. I was actually going to ask you about it. A new challenge for you would have been doing the commentary and that. How did you find <laughs> that? And how did you get involved? And yeah, like I suppose it's better. The I suppose if you if you're not playing, the second best thing you can do is talk about it. <laughs> I well, listen, as I said, like I'm I'm obsessed with the game. Like I love watching it. I watch you know a lot of football, even even hurling too. Like you know, and um, I think actually Sean Kelly, our Sean Kelly, had could ask to do it first, like obviously, um, and then he couldn't do it, and then I was obviously second choice to the the Kel, like most people have been, and uh, Jerome asked me to do it, and then we done the final last year against uh, Cargan and um, Lamberg. It was the first one. It went to the replay and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then he had just asked again this year, and um, I was sort of inwardly thinking, "Go on, go on, I'm not really probably do it as much," you know. It, it, ambitions of obviously going the whole way with some goals and then when I get injured he just asked like do you want to do a couple of games like and like, it's enjoyable like it's like you know you get to watch the games and it, it was good in a way too um I think Adam GA done a really you know it was it was brilliant as well you know obviously with the restrictions on how many were allowed at the games um streaming all the games um you know I know you get the odd so people trolling and saying you know give off about it but i think for a lot of people we're, we're very grateful for it and um it was good just to be you know be neutral and watch some good games and um yeah do a bit of scouting as well for some yeah, goals I was gonna, yeah i was gonna say actually yeah, probably like when would you have ever got to go watch you know uh lamb dirk against Hagalm or anything like that do you know what i, I mean know. it's something you would never really have ever got to do before in championship so it probably was an interesting experience for you i thought it was good like it was good to see who was sort of you know any sort of even younger players coming in that you wouldn't have really I suppose a couple of you know, like um, Pat Shivers was a, a standout player for Cargan throughout the championship and I was actually pretty surprised that he wasn't called into the Antrim panel for, for you know the end of the National League here and even championship um, probably also you know young Luke Mulholland is the Ahagallon goalkeeper and um, was very impressed with him as well even though Ahagallon lost but just even you know, he, he looks like a modern day goalkeeper. Um, he's kicking, and you know, he has a really good way about him. And um, I think he's definitely one that he'll definitely, you know, without a doubt, if he goes in the right direction, keeps working hard and and, and training well, there's no doubt that he, he should be a, an Andrew number one for years to come. Like, you know, he's very very talented goalkeeper. So, like, it's good to see. And there's there's some even our own club as well. Um, you know, young old McCabe stepped up this year was. Um, face captain and you know, a couple of younger boys were brought in this year for some calls as well like so um no it was good it was good to get a good variety of games and obviously 
don't think Jerome trusted me with the St. Gauls game, so he had to get Kieran McGoady in. But, um, <laughs> but you know what? It was the first time I was ever picked ahead. So I was, um, I was glad of it. And uh, Kieran used to take my position doing uh, Nats at Kilmacud. So uh, All right. <laughs> good, to, good, good to get ahead of Kieran. And uh, it's good for McGoady to play second fiddle days for once. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good. Well, here, who knows? Who knows what will happen in the future? There could be post, post-club retirement. There could be a career there yet for you. Ah, uh, God, no, no. Uh, <laughs> need a new knee first. <laughs> um, just, like, on the county side of things, then, like you mentioned as well earlier, over 100 appearances or so for the county. And so I was reading your first draft in 2007. Would that be right? Or right then? Brought in in 2007, um, so I would have been under 20, under 21 goalkeeper then. Um, Jody Gormley was the manager, actually, it was quite funny. Um, Jody was the manager. It was obviously before sort of smartphones and all, like, so really kicked off. And um, John Finnook and uh, a few of the boys were on the panel, like, that would have been, like, like the CJ and stuff had been brought in and around then, too. And, um, you know, Sean McGreevy and John Finnook were the goalkeepers at the time, and they were both. Uh, to my sort of, you know, for me, obviously it was good, but for them, they, they were riddled with injuries that year, both of them. Um, Sean, Sean, actually, I don't know if anyone's ever done it before, but he, he tore both hamstrings at the one time, um, sprinting over Mary Peters, racing CJ, of all people, like, um, chasing him. I think it was one of the first sprints CJ's ever won, and he... <laughs> He had done that, and then John had a couple of injuries. He, he had, I think, from memory, he had to get like a couple of metal screws in his finger or something. So Jesus. I was there the whole year, um, and then was on the bench. I was sub goalkeeper on the bench for the championship game against Derry, which was great experience. Like, and um, yeah, unfortunately, the the year I missed out was was two thousand and nine, which wasn't the best of years to miss out on, obviously. Um, with the boys getting the Ulster final, but from then, I actually got called back in then. Um, St. Gauls, we played Glenullen in a friendly, and Baker was Baker was the Antrim manager, but he was also managing Glenullen and um, had a really good game. And then he asked me in, and um, yeah, went in, and it was um, I really enjoyed every minute of it. Like you know, it's you know there was ups and downs, and I know people probably go like you know Division Four wasn't probably glamorous at, at times. Um, was lucky enough to play in Division Two, Division Three a couple of times, and then. Obviously playing championship and that, and um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I always felt that it it really improved me as as a goalkeeper. I always felt that if you were playing against you know players, especially when it came to the Ulster Championship, you know, playing against Monaghan's, Donegal's, Tyrone's, um, to name a few, you know, you're playing against calibre of that forwards, and you're making saves and, and you're doing well, or you're you're doing things well in the game against these forwards. I always felt that if you went back to play for the club, then and you weren't going to be facing a Conor McManus every week or uh, Stephen O'Neill or Michael hmm. Murphy or whoever it may be. Yeah, so yeah. um always felt that it, it was really good and we were exposed to some really good um, S&C coaches, some really good managers, and obviously um, getting to play alongside a lot of, a lot of top players as well. So um, no, it was really good. And, you know, I had aspirations of probably, you know, giving it a rattle again this year. I think, you know, as I say, I come back from the, the rehab um felt really good. Um, probably playing as well as it ever played. Um, mm. Really, con- just I just felt really consistent across the board, and I sort of was coming back as well with the mindset of going. I'm gonna 
I'm going to try and play as well as possible where it, uh, you know, Lenny has no other choice but to call me back. And that was, that was my attitude um, when I was going back, when I was playing and when I was training. Um, and then just unfortunately, uh, you know, I got injured. It was just before the second St. Dennis game. So, um, yeah, it was the Friday night before that. So it just got hurt just before that. So it was just unfortunate. But, um, yeah, that was the aspirations to give another rattle again there. But, um, what do you do? Um, uh, it's just disappointing, probably. You know, you hear goalkeepers probably don't peak until they're like, you know, mid 30s. And, you know, in my mid 30s, well, the last two years have been, been, you know, I've had two bad knee injuries. So, um, it's just unfortunate that my sort of peak years are sort of dwindling a bit. So, um, yeah, I'll see. I'll see how I get on this time around with the, the rehab and, um, yeah, give it a rattle. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially though someone, I mean, you consider you um, probably if you're looking at the positives of it, at least, you know, you're coming back, you know, with aspirations of having that this year, you know, coming back, but you still obviously have that fantastic, you know, county career behind you. And if, if and you mentioned about the leagues as well, and it's just interesting for like county like Antrim and, you know, the Division 4, 3, you know, counties, like the league is so important. And I, sp- I felt like there was a few years there where Antrim were getting promoted a lot alongside Sligo every year it just seemed to be going up together like yeah. to be that. was there was there really a big emphasis on playing those better teams and you mentioned about the campaign in division two as well mm-hmm. um that was that something that was really bought into by the the, the the team at the time was how important it was to be operating at that highest level absolutely I mean I think you know I think if you're being a realist you know obviously everyone loves playing championship but you know if you the, the draw was always made Time of year, and you knew like come May time, June, you're going to be, you know, a lot of times we're doing against Division One teams. Um, I think if you're being a realist, as much as you win that thing, the match going, my attitude was if we're at our very best and they have a really off day, we can win the game. You know, I think always believe we could win the game, but a lot of things would have had to go our way. Um, but the, I think the big thing, and it, it, it should be for Antrim football, and I think Lenny sort of. Trying to try to address it there, obviously as well. A couple of, you know, a bad result last week. Um, you want to be playing at this higher level. I mean, I've just moved the Armagh here as well, and um, you know, a, you hear different things about you know, Kieran McGinney has been there a long time. Have they really kicked on? And you know, he's brought them from Division Three, and they've now got promoted to Division One. And the big thing that I've sort of noticed about that is. Armagh have been really consistent with, you know, their approach, not even just with managers, but their approach off the pitch. Um, you know, everything, the same structures are being put in place, you know, professional setup um, between, you know, their, their physios, their strength and conditioning, and obviously their their backroom team. You know, it's not just Kieran McGinney, but Jim McCrory is in there as well with him. Um, really experienced club manager with Kilku. Um, you know, regarded as one of the best club coaches around. Um, so the biggest thing for Antrim has probably been the chopping and changing, you know, the inconsistency. Um, over the last sort of probably eight years, um, you know, we've probably had five, six managers um, in that time. And with each time, they've brought a different background team. So you're starting from fresh again. Um, and I think you look at the sort of, you look at sort of the, the bigger teams, you know, the, the top teams, their sort of backroom and 
you know, I've mentioned it a few times about strength and conditioning. As I've went back and started a degree in it as well myself. So it's something, you know, I really enjoy. But, you know, we were exposed to really good S&C coaches. You know, you're Mike McGurns, Ollie Cummins, Fenton Devlin's in now. And they're only getting two or three years to try and implement their way and try and see results. Whereas in other counties, there's a more consistent approach for the off-field stuff. And, you know, you look at these teams and, it, and it's paying off. So um that's where Antrim want to be. You want to you want to get promote you want to get out of division four and I was actually having a conversation yesterday with one of the boys after watching the game and um you know division four is really difficult because you need five wins five wins to get out of it. You know, the other the other division, see division two, division three, you could win two and draw one and stay up and lose three games and stay in the division. You lose three games or two games in division Four, you're in trouble like so mm-hmm. it's a very competitive league and i know people will be like oh it's the bottom tier but no one when you go to play them games there's a real like sort of championship bite to them because no team wants to be in division four they don't want to be labeled division four the one up you want to play against the best teams you'll only get better and Antrim will only get better when we're playing in the higher divisions staying in it sustaining you know you don't want to be yo-yoing between th- which we've done for a while. Um, and, you know, a, a couple of times we were very unlucky. You know, I remember in 2013 and um, Frank Dawson was the manager and Frank was very unlucky. Um, we got we got relegated on the last day on score difference. And then also with Frank Fitzsimmons, um, you know, very unlucky. Uh, last day uh, scoring difference against Longford. And I think that'll haunt a lot of the boys that were playing that day. Um, had an opportunity to foul them in their in their own sort of twenty one and sort of built up the pits and with foul too late and their, their goalkeeper um, unfortunately had a had a serious boot on him was able to put put it over and they drew um, and that relegated us so we we'll have been unlucky um, on a few occasions but um, yeah I think I think not like I mean probably going by. In championship in two weeks time here we're probably going to play Monaghan which and there's no back door this year it's just straight knockout so I mean you know you're, you're up against it already I think the biggest thing is over the next couple of weeks and Lenny has a tough job on his hands is you know how do you keep the boys interested how do you keep them sort of motivated um, for this you know obviously the main goal would have been to get out of the division and um, uh, it was obviously a, a really tough day at the office last week yeah, and I suppose looking at that, it's those it's those kind of it's those kind of occasions where like like so you mentioned the Longford game there, and you you if you have a consistent kind of team, you know, or a consistent management team, I suppose around, and I suppose consistent, I suppose um, turnover of players as well. It's important to keep that low as well, where you learn from those types of occasions, you know. Um, and I think it's kind of if you're looking at the, the like the St Gauls at club level, you know, probably. Would have no problem, you know. They would, they would know. They would kind of have that know-how of the at the top level there. But then when it comes to translating everything to Antrim, it's like you know you're more of the underdog. It's a it's a little bit different mindset, I suppose. That would maybe some people would be um you know be affected by in some games, and then you know they would yes. maybe make decisions that they wouldn't make you know normally. It's um yeah, it's tough. Like I mean, it's uh. It's uh, as you said, a big thing is the turnover of players. I mean, I think even from from Lanny's first year there in 2018, the turnover of players from that first year was maybe 
you know, you're talking maybe 10 players from that panel. Um, so it, it's just trying to keep a consistent panel. Um, why, why are, you know, for years, when we've never had our best players out at the one time, for whatever reason, and everyone's had their, their different reasons for it, but we've never had our best team on the pitch at the one time. And that, that goes for even the, the 2009 year also. Um, there was players missing that probably, you know, I, I was in I was in Boston that year with, you know, Michael McGill and Mark Dugan, who probably would have been there or thereabouts also. And I also know that year uh, CJ, Kevin McGordy and Sean Kelly weren't playing in that Ulster final. So, I mean, yeah, there was, yeah, there was three players in, you know, you're you could be on to something else there also. So um I think even this year looking, you know, Cargan have won three of the three you know, three in a row titles and on Sunday or on Saturday or on yesterday watching the game, there's only one starting. So I just for whatever reason we can't get the best players on the pits at the one time. Um and that's uh, you know, as a as a supporter now, it's probably the most frustrating thing. You're looking and you know there's good footballers in the county, but um, for whatever reason, they're not playing or they're not on the pitch. Um, and you could see even yesterday the difference that, and you know, Michael McCann come on um, in the game and probably had more possessions than a lot of the boys that started the game, just by being, just demanding the ball and and you know getting his hands on the ball and making them tick. And you could see that sort of at the start of the game, Waterford if they had had a half decent finisher. Um, I think they kicked eight waves by my recollection. Um, you know, we could have been facing a real uphill battle yesterday and you could see the difference Mick coming on and just getting his hands on the ball and controlling the tempo of the game and um, using his experience and obviously, you know, winning the last couple of titles, um, you know, was they were able to, to grind out the result in. Yeah, and I suppose just it's that kind of again, it's that those because um, it's in the likes of Michael and that he he actually he had, he had retired from county duty or he, at least he wasn't he was out from it and then came back same with Paddy Paddy Cunningham obviously was a bit longer he was away but I suppose these kind of experienced heads in around that team is something and on the pitch is probably uh, only beneficial to a team like Antrim trying to come through. I know well, that's it. I mean, we we need them. Um, we need the, our best players on the pitch. Like, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter of age. You know, you hear people saying about age, but age is only a number. In club football this year, the older boys are still the best players in the county. Like, um, yeah. that goes across the board. Um, still the boys performing at that level and, and getting their club, they're getting their club teams over the line. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good, good win in the end after the whole, you know rigmarole all week of is it on is it not of the want to play where do they want to play it you know uh, it was I don't know I don't know how I'm sure it's 6-1 I mean I'm sure the boys wanted to go out and try and get a result also but uh, I'm not sure I would have been as accommodating giving up um, home advantage um, home games are hard to come by and um, you know it was uh, it was a the play it in Dundalk you know i just a game of cat and mouse all week like and even even the camogie team as well you know they didn't even have a choice they were just told but um it was good to see that all all three teams over the weekend end up getting results positive results yeah i suppose the best way to answer any of that kind of messing about was to go out and get the victories in the way that they did um especially with the yeah the waterford situation was just was outstanding but um but yeah we'll see we'll see how the season progresses with that um look chris and I know like was, good win there as well today like 
Oh yeah, of course as well. Like I mean, they, they heard, I was speaking to Conor McCann last week um, uh-huh. about their promotion and a little bit similar. We were talking about the ups and downs, you know, and trying to consistently play at the top. So I think even if you looked last year, they conceded twenty nine points, I think, to Westmeath, and then look at the turnaround here today. You know, it's 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 outstanding. Them as well, Conor, like even physically, like you know, you know, you see a lot of the photos of the hurlers, and they're all big men. Like you know, they can see they put in a lot of work in the gym. Off the pitch yeah. and maybe lockdown was was good to them and they were able to get things put in place. But you could definitely see um, physically in the hurlers, um, even the smaller sort of boys and in, in the team. You know, we're all you know you can see them bursting out of their shirts like you know and that's obviously paid off for them today with with a massive win. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think there's just that good feeling. And I know there's disappointing result for the footballers obviously last week there, but sure, look, there was you know. It was seemed like a freak thing, really. Like I don't, it's not really the position that Andrew Marin, with respect to uh, Wicklow, really. It's just the, I think it was just a bit of a freak result there. But I think there's, you know, there's there's definitely good things there, and I suppose it's about how they kind of go forward with it. Um, I know championship strange with no back door and that, but yeah, there's suppose with the likes of Casement and obviously the news with that there, there's, you know, there's something to kind of build on there for the county, really, particularly yeah, if things but- go well there. It was good. It was good. Obviously, Casement got the go-ahead, um, or, or hopefully gets the go-ahead. Um, we played the last game in, it in 2013 against Monaghan in the Ulster Championship. Um, so it's, it's obviously it'd be great for the county, but I just think um, you know you need to get the wins off the. Obviously, you need we need to get the wins, and you know the hurlers are going about it there the right way, just keeping the heads down and, and getting it done. And you know, last week was just. It was just a nightmare watching it. Like even as a, you know, I felt for Oshin especially. You know, as, as obviously as a goalkeeper, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think the disappointing thing is probably losing so heavily to a Division Four team, which will yeah. probably disappoint the players and and the management, obviously. But um, you know, I'm not sure what will happen um, or who they'll get, obviously. But uh, I would probably imagine Monaghan in in two weeks' time. Yeah. Oh well. Looking, looking forward anyway to see what happens there. Um. Like, yeah, Chris. I know, like you've, you know, in recent years you've shared your insight. Um. And you know, you've been a very positive advocate for, you know, highlighting the importance of raising mental health awareness, particularly in young men as well. And I'm just wondering now, you kind of look at the way life is, and it's, you know, with lockdown having already been in play, and the second lockdown, and I suppose, what, what are kind of the the steps, kind of, you know, you think people can take you know to ensure that is, is about taking time to pause and not just go 100 mile an hour at life or what what do you think there i know you've obviously you've got you've i think it's your you've set up the, the the head health matters um you know instagram account where you share stories there as well like but what's your feeling with the current uh I suppose climate that we're in at the moment yeah it's a it's a tough one i mean even you think back to this day this time last year i mean things were completely different it's even it's even mad seeing, you know, highlights of, of games from last year with full crowds and, um, you know, concerts and all that and, you know, bustling bars and restaurants, um, stuff, you know, we took for granted. And I think just this year's just been a big shock to everyone, um, even in terms of just, I think, more mentally, um, you know, everything with where you going to the shops, uh, going to shopping. Um, going to work you know a lot of people working from home including myself you know i think i've been in i think i've been in the office two days this year um or from march sorry two days um 
So I think just like it's had its pros and cons. You know, I think it it'll probably hopefully make a lot of a lot of us more grateful for you know the smaller things that we, we did take for granted. Um, you know, it's probably given people more time to spend time with their family and you know. You know, I'd be at home and um, especially people with, with children as well, you know, not missing um, many big days and stuff and, and spending a lot more time with them. But um, I think even just, you know, people's mental health can be affected by it, you know, being being stuck in the house. Um, you know, very limited to where you can go and what you can do. And I think it's just being rational with your, your thinking too. Um you know, I'm a big sort of believer and, you know, it's it's nearly what the All Blacks sort of do, um, you know, controlling the controllables. I suppose if you want to relate to the sport, you know, you can't control what the opposition are going to do. You can't control the referee, the crowd, what's going to happen in the game. All you can control is what, what you can bring to the game in terms of like even your attitude and how you're going to apply yourself. And I think that even applies to now. You know, a lot of things, you know, we were due to get married here in four weeks. Um, we had to move it um, now to March. So I think even, you know, don't know what will happen come March. You know, don't know what will happen when they come to meet in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I think it's just taking it day by day, um, seeing the positive in it, um, exercising as much and as best as you can. doesn't have to be a mad gym session or a mad or going and playing a game it can just be a you know putting your earphones in going for a walk um clear the head um take the thought of it i think the last time we were very lucky in terms of the weather also you know i don't think there was a cloud in the sky for about two months yeah. um you know everyone was coming back with suntans and you know looking well and uh, <laughs> all the housework and all the gardening and all done but it's a bit harder even tonight there it was it was dark at half five so yeah um you know this time it might be a bit tougher where people will just be looking outside it's darker but i think it's just trying to take sort of stock and, and still trying to make time to get outside and, and exercise i mean it's, it's the best available drug there is um both physically and mentally, um, more importantly. And, um, yeah, that's something I try and do. I'm just glad that the, the gyms are still open also. That you know, I, I enjoy going to a gym, and obviously um, it's good just to get out and, and clear the head for an hour or so. Yeah, and uh, it's it's something, and I'd say just reading, you obviously had written the piece for the player's voice as well in the name of the father, and you talked about your dad passing earlier there as well and the effect that had. And I think something from that, that I kind of took and something that I think is actually really important and something you can really overlook is, you know, your exterior, what your output is, you know, if you're looking at others and kind of what people are projecting is very much can be, can be what's not under the surface, you know, and it's something that I would find myself being trying to be more conscious of with other people is that aspect of, you know, and I suppose the kind of, I think is that the, I'm not sure who, which, um, uh, where the phrase came from about, you know, asking people, are they okay twice? You know, it's that kind of thing of, you know, you ask once and then you ask a second time. And I think it's something that kind of resonated with me. And I think especially in the piece that you wrote with regards to that was you can you can you can almost uh, project a different version of yourself. And I suppose the importance of kind of realizing that not everybody is as they seem, really. Hmm. I think the biggest thing for me, Connor, was and, you know, probably anyone listening that has been in Antrim circles or, you know, Antrim football circles in particular, uh, probably... You know, I 
you know, the loudest person you'll ever meet. Um, and then when it comes to changing rooms, I'm sure there's a few boys, um, you know, we're, we're probably glad to see the back of me when it stopped playing that room. Um, just, you know, loud, probably the worst person to sit beside on a bus, constantly talking, joking. Um, so, like, I was really good at, at putting on a mask. I was really good at um, portraying that it was okay. And of anything, to be fair, football was a really good escape. So when I went and played, it was, you know, I was getting away from how I was really feeling. And I could just put on the, you know, the game head, game face, so to speak, or, you know, put on the mask, as, as they talk about. And, um, you know, I was able to escape and go about it. And it was, that wasn't, my issue was more when I was on my own behind closed doors. Um, as you say, um, I think the worrying thing is for a lot of people, and from I've sort of been quite open about it the last sort of maybe two and a half years, um, in turn, what I went through, and I suppose why I've done that as well, was probably because, you know, in terms of GA also, um, I think being from West, um, you know, the suicide rates in particular in young men, um, you know, are, are shocking, and you know the, the spiral out of control. They have spiraled out of control in, in the last load of years. Um, and I was just, I just wanted to share that if I could get help and, and get better and, and show that, you know, even if you are at your worst and you're feeling low and you're even get to the stage where, you know, you're having those thoughts that you don't want to be here, that you can get through it with the right help. You can get through it by, you know, sticking to. The, you know the pro, you know the process of, of getting help and don't be afraid to, to reach out for help and, and speaking because it's it's not a sign of a weakness of any sign it's a strength and I think just day by day taking taking small steps um small gains add up to the, the greater gains um and the, and the bigger picture along the way and you know you can come out the other side of it and you know thankfully I have and if um the last couple of years have been, you know, really great. And um, I'm at a stage, at a stage where I can share what I, I went through, and you know, to raise awareness that, you know, you hear people saying a lot, especially around like mental health awareness days or World Suicide Prevention Day, that it's okay not to be okay. But I always think that it's, you know, that's catchy. We, you know, hashtag. But I think the biggest. The biggest sort of message away from that is, or to take away from that is that it's okay to ask for help also, and that's more important. It's okay to to reach out and, and tell people that you aren't okay, and it doesn't doesn't mean straight away you go to a GP or a counselor. It might just be a matter of speaking to a friend or a family member and getting something off your chest. And I think when you keep things, especially meals and Irish meals and the games that we play in particular, you know, it's a, it's you know we're taught to play it hard and fair, and you know don't show any whatever it may be and I think just something I've sort of picked up on maybe maybe I'm maturing in my old age I don't know um some <laughs> some may some may disagree but uh, I think I, w- I would definitely be more aware of people around me and you know I don't walk around diagnosing people or, or whatever it may be but I'm definitely more aware of, of of people and um you know would always try and make a make an effort of, of speaking to people even if it's you know just what's a crack or how'd you get on how's work or whatever it may be be something small because I felt that even though people didn't know that I was feeling like that, those wee small conversations was a way of release. You were saying things out loud in general, so th- those wee small conversations add up, and uh, you shouldn't take them for granted.
No, definitely. Um, and I think it's something that's it's important to highlight is you know the more people who are kind of in position of you know if younger people as well see like you know for example intercounty goalkeepers or you know these kind of high profile people you know sharing that this um these kind of perspectives and i think just for people to kind of realize and especially younger uh, males like you're saying about people and um the rates that we would the suicide rates in west belfast or or even in in ireland in general so i think it's really important to have that um in in i was reading as well obviously you were part of the you were on the panel in in the European Brain Council uh, promoting positive mental health for elite athletes. Um, you were in a delegation there. How did that come about? Or like, yeah, how, did you, how did you find that experience? Um, yeah, it was. Um, I don't know about elite athlete. Like you know, it's, <laughs> that's what I read. <laughs> I was ever called that, so I milked that phrase. Um, <laughs> well, elite inter- athlete, inter- uh, players are called elite athletes the, now, so they're all elite athletes now. Uh, <laughs> always just been a. I've always just been known as that slobber and that's for some goals, but um, <laughs> the uh, no listen. I, I suppose I was able to. I got my help, or I reached out to the GPA through their sort of confidential helpline, and um, it was only after, like you know, a load of years later of, of you know going to counselling and, and CBT counselling after that as well, um, that you know I found myself in a, a much better place. I was able to manage it all better and um, I think just being more rational in, in your thinking and you know it slowly just grew from strength to th- strength to strength and um, you know thankfully I've been you know I got myself to a position where I was like right I, I feel it I'm just I'm proud you know I'm living in Armagh but I'm a proud West Belfast man I've played for some goals in the heart of West Belfast and I just felt that if I could give something back off the pitch um then that's what I wanted to do, and that's why I got I done that blog, you know, in, in 2018 it was. Um, and then on the back of that, the GPA asked me would I go and sort of be on their behalf as one of well, one of their athletes, um, <laughs> as you touched on. Um, you know, I was there with a you know gold medalist Paralympians. Um, Jesse Barr was a you know an, an Irish. Um, runner as well so I mean uh, I was sort of you know Antrim goalkeeper in the middle of Brussels speaking the sort of delegates from you know the you know it ranged from the English FA to you know the you know the same and in, in like you know representatives from Bayern Munich um you know just right across Europe you know high profile and I, I think the, the the sort of sport as well and the message that came across there to a lot of them was um everyone in that room and anyone obviously listening as well well either has or will lose a parent at some stage and i think everyone can, can relate to that in a way um you know not everyone's gonna have you know an addiction problem or you know whatever it may be um but everyone is either has or will lose a parent at some stage and i think a lot of people can relate to that and um you know, some people deal with it really well. Some people don't. Some people it doesn't hit them for a load of years. But I think it's just being aware that you know there's different stages of grief and um and just dealing with them at the at the stages that they come. Yeah. But it was so it was a great experience. Like I think they were just glad that I was probably in the round that time the the first person from West Belfast that that wasn't going to Brussels. Our European Parliament to talk about Brexit. So um, <laughs> I think they were glad. Of. 
Uh, no, definitely. No, it's fantastic. Like that's that's it's it's honestly it is great um great to see and this was great for you know Antrim to have ambassadors like that as well. So no, that's great. Um, look, uh, to finish up anyway. So um, we've probably gone on a bit longer than I expected there, but um, I uh, but yeah, I I've a couple of questions people submitted from Instagram here for you. So first one is um from Daniel McCoy he asks um what advice do you have for goalkeepers who have who would have aspirations of playing county but not have been involved in underage setups throughout so um i suppose there's been a number of examples where that's happened with you know outfield players who have kind of not played underage i think bernard brogan is he an example maybe who's went on obviously to play senior but i don't know if you have any advice for for goalkeepers in that respect Rand mcmanaman was another one too for yeah. Tyrone. um i think it's like it's a, the nature of the position is tough because you know there's only one jersey you know it's a different color jersey to everyone else it's, it's something that i you know i've always considered as you know a spaceless position um you know if you're a forward you have six chances to get in the team you're back you have six chances mm-hmm. um for goalkeepers it can be you know waiting a long time i, I find that I'm, I'm a real still you know a student of the game I said earlier i was lucky to have you know really um experienced top goalkeepers around me. I uh, was exposed to them at a young age and um, to train with them and, and be around them. County. Um, I think the biggest thing is just train everyday at training, you know, um, I think being consistent at training, um, not being afraid to ask people and ask people that you you trust and that'll be real with you. To, you know, if you're watching games to tell you what what do you think has went wrong and what has went right and not take offense at criticism all the time but, um, and just being as positive as you can um, train hard both on and off the pitch um, identify weaknesses and turn them into strengths and, and make your strengths even even stronger um, and I always enjoy a challenge too like you know I always each year when I was in with Antrim even it's and it was nothing against anyone that ever was called in. It was just how I stayed motivated. Also, was I took it as an, a, not an offence, but a challenge that they were coming to take the jersey, and I just had to try and step it up another notch. You know, even off the pitch, on the pitch, and you know, even for the last load of years now, especially, um, you know, I would be there thirty to forty-five minutes before the start of training, practicing kickouts, um. You know, if something went wrong, getting one of my close mates to go down at the earlier also um, and replicate, say, a goal that you could have done better for. And I think those wee small, as I said earlier, those small wee steps and those wee small gains add up to the bigger picture. And it's just just trying to be as consistent as you can on and off the pitch. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and then just the last one then here for you from Aidan Quinn. He says, who's the best player you played with at LaSalle? <laughs> <laughs> Daphne, well, well, it wasn't the third year. Uh, yeah. He was, um, <laughs> to be fair to him, like, you know, up, up until third year soccer, Gaelic and Hurland, he was as, he was as good. Um, I know he's back there now with, with East Belfast. I think this must be about his 16th club he has. Um, <laughs> so uh, it wasn't it. I just probably Gary Nelson from uh, Davids um, GA club was probably the best player at LaSalle, definitely. Yeah. I don't think anyone at, at that year would have argued with. <laughs> brilliant brilliant well here look chris i just want to say thanks very much for taking the time to speak uh on the podcast this week um it yes. really is greatly appreciated um 
and yeah best of luck with the recovery and yeah hope to see you back in the field very soon yes no problem Connor. i appreciate it thank you